0: But I think with the label, I think my measure of success is that some nerdy kid 50 years from now is going to dig it up and go, oh, remember that record that came out by the safes in 2016 on Hidden Volume? Man, that's an awesome record.
1: Hey everybody welcome back to creative how the podcast for curious creatives our next guest
2: Scott Sugiyuchi, marries a deep love of music with extraordinary design talent and he's made his own record label
1: everybody you're gonna get some great insights and also you're gonna to want to listen to music after this one so enjoy Scott, welcome to Creative How. Uh, Glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Um, It's always kind of a struggle to think of the first question to ask somebody, but um, having researched you a lot, you've done and do so many things. I thought we would start with this. When you were a kid, what was your dream job? My dream job? um, Cartoonist. That was,
0: uh, yeah, I think we've heard that before, but it was, um, I really, but I wasn't like, like, oh, I want to, you know, draw like just like goofy cartoons. I, I was, um, and this is kind of a running theme in my life though, is that I was really into really like cartoons from like the twenties and thirties and forties. Like anything that was really old when I was like a little kid, I was really into it. And I felt like when I was like, it was like eight or nine, I was really into things from the forties and the thirties. And so I wanted to be, uh, you know, George Harriman who did Crazy Cat. I wanted to, and it was very odd. So I wanted to be a, yeah, a cartoonist, like a newspaper cartoonist working in a style or genre that was probably completely dead by the time the 70s rolled around. So, <laughs>
1: awesome! Wow. That sounds really, uh, it's it's very different than most kids, I would think. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt like I was a lot, I was
0: always like kind of, always liked things like, in the past. So I always like when I was like eight, I liked things from the thirties and forties. And when I was a teenager, I like things from the fifties. And then when I was in my twenties, I like stuff from the sixties. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, like another 30 years, I'll be now I'll like things from 2019. So, um, how did
2: you get exposure to that? Those, that style of cartoon?
0: Um, the library, like I, I just, I think it was just like, and my, my dad a little bit, like my mom and dad liked a lot of stuff. Um, You know, it was like when they were young and um, my dad like would turn me on to things like Star Trek or old Flash Gordon movies or um, things like that. Just not like you must watch this kind of thing, but it was like um, it was just, oh, hey, this is on. This is pretty cool. You should check this out. And then I really started getting into it. And I got into like, I mean, really uber levels of nerdiness. Like, you know, I'm like 10 and I'm like the only kid who's into like 1940s movie serials featuring, I don't know, just really total loser stuff. But, um, I was really into, (laughs) I was really into that and, and, um, I was really into like the, like how they looked and just the kind of innocence and cheesiness of it was cool.
2: Did that translate into toy collecting in any way? I only ask because there's certain (laughs) things going on in my life.
0: (laughs) I'm not really, um, Nah, I think I went through a phase like every designer has like a desk full of like toys and crap and I went through a phase where I had a lot of like robots and little superhero figures and stuff like that but I just I think um I never really, you know, I I didn't continue with I think I have so much other junk that I collect like yeah. or you know records and books and stuff like that. So it's, it's, there's only so much room.
2: <laughs> I, I'm I'm only recently struggling with the realization that all the things I collected aren't really worth that much at this point.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's really, really disappointing. I always I, hope that, but you always hope that you kind of go like, I, you know, I have like a, go look through my stuff and I'm like, oh, well maybe this is, this is going to be something on eBay. And it's like, I've had it, you know, for 30 years and it's like, ah, oh, $2. This Ooh, is, right. this is my last <laughs> two weeks.
2: I've, we've been kind of bringing stuff down from the attic and things that I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is going to be good. And you go to eBay and it's like uber deflating. Yeah. You yeah. Know, wow. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, this was, you know, this is worthless. People won't up. even talk to you if, it, if it's after 1980.
1: Yeah. This is an interesting thing. I, I, I said just before we started recording, I said, we're going to get off on okay. tangents. So I've been, I have this theory because I, I have kids and I feel like, you know, love my kids. They're amazing, but I don't think they have much of a, an appreciation for, history and all actually literally how you just described yourself as a kid. And, um, you know, I was asking my, my daughter the other day, do people, you know, are there a group of people who like Nirvana right now, for example? Cause mm-hmm. like when I was a kid, I started liking Led Zeppelin in high school. Sure. You know, and they said, no. And then I was thinking my buddy, this is gonna be a long one. My buddy sent me a picture. His great, his son's grandmother sent him a badge from the masters that was, uh, signed by tiger woods right and i was thinking wow that is really going to be worth something someday but i felt like then i was like is the value of that not going to matter years from now like people just won't care yeah so what i I guess my question is um what is the value of that sort of historical perspective for you and why should kids
0: (laughs) change (laughs) immediately yeah come on kids um Yeah. I I think it's good. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely have connected with other people that I, you know, that kind of had a similar upbringing, not to the there. And there are not a lot of people like that, but, um, and that kind of works in kind of the formation of like the music scene that I kind of exist in right now. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think having that kind of, um, just a different approach and a different look at things and like knowing like history, especially like very, uh, Specific things of history, um, in it, it's it's I think it's super valuable. Like, and it also allows you to like dig up memories and 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 references that nobody else really has or cares about. And I also I, I kind of make jokes about. It. A lot of times I'll I'll make references to things that I know only like a small percentage of people get. Like when I'm you know if I design a poster or a record sleeve or something, a lot of times I'll throw in like little jokes and references to stuff that people you have to have my level of <laughs> my level of nerdiness. You know, if you were a loser like me, then yeah, <laughs> then you, you would get this joke. Well, but that
2: works on both levels. You're connecting with some real insidery type shit. Yes. Right. But then also everybody's, wow, Scott's so witty and smart and <laughs> so weird. I Where don't does get he any come with this? Come up with this? <laughs> I don't <laughs> get
1: right. any of his jokes.
2: He's is just <laughs> a, t- a talent.
1: This is a good segue yeah. because now we wanted to ask about uh, your education and, you know, at the time, whether it's elementary, middle, high, college, did you know what you were leading to? Um yeah. I, I, I think I was always kind of like the, you know, the guy
0: who drew in class and I, and I was really big into comic books, you know, and, and I was not, and I liked old comic books, obviously. I was really into like golden age, 1940s, you know, DC Marvel. And like, actually the cornier, the better. I really like Those that. ones are going to get a lot of money, by the way. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I own none of them. And, you know, and then like, you know, I was into like, um, the, like in the, the 1960s, there was a Legion of Superheroes, which was just one of the corniest comics of all time. And it's and I loved it. And I just thought, oh, this is really great. But, I, you know, I like the stuff that every the X-Men and everything else that everyone liked. Um, so I kind of went, you know, I kind of like that. And I think comic books was actually kind of like the stepping stone for me because I loved I love the coloring and the lettering and, and that was probably, I would like create my own like fake superheroes, my own fake comic book group. This is okay. I'll just go ahead and just have an admission of you're dancing around it. Loserdom. So (laughs) when I was a kid, I, I created this like fake comic book company and I would, I would do, is this is really sad i would do uh i would create this i created this comic i had like all of these superheroes and i created like all of their origin stories and i would write some of them but i would and then it, it would, i'd be like oh you know i'm gonna draw this whole comic book You know, i've got all these different ideas and i would only draw the cover i would just be like well let me draw the cover i'm like well that's good let's move on to the next one and so i would only i don't know but was just like am i am i lazy um so i would draw no just, wonder you went into advertising exactly <laughs> i only. yeah Look, I only want to do the I only want to do the cover. So I would I would just do I'm the a cover guy. I'm the idea guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let some other hack do the inside. So I would do the cover, then I would I would I would kind of keep a you know a running log of like all of these things. And I did this for like for you know like an elementary school and I'm part of like middle school where I would just kind of keep doing this fake comic book thing. But I really spent like a whole bunch of time like working on the lettering. So I'd have like, you know, the name of the the comic book. And I was really into like the, the where like the price went and the, and the, and the, you know, I I think it was called like galaxy comics group or something. And I would, I would do like drawing the, drawing the masthead for it and then changing the masthead, like each month, Oh, we're going to roll out a new masthead. So I'd be like, I would draw all these things. And, and I really liked drawing that part. And I I have to say that probably influenced me to go kind of into like graphic design and, and whatnot. So I went to, um, I didn't really take a lot of art classes in in high school. I felt there were better artists than me and I was like an okay drawer. And then when I got to, um, to college, I, I wasn't like an art major at all. I was like kind of communications like everyone. And so, um, and then eventually I think I overheard these two guys were like walking. I went to the university of central Florida in Orlando and it was very, it was a very tiny school back then. Um, and then, um, I overheard these two guys walking by and this guy was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to major in graphic design. And so I guess, well, what's that? He goes, Oh, it's still it's like you draw like maps and like charts and stuff. And I was like, I could do that. I can do signs and stuff. So uh, I, I thought, you know, so I immediately kind of went and, you know, I was kind of got into the arts program and things like that. And I ended up really liking doing graphic design. Um, And it was a, it was a, you know, it was a general program. It wasn't like I went to art school, but the people in college, you know, it was a group of people. But actually when I was there, that's kind of where I started getting into music and I started getting into meeting people that were somehow working this life of art and music together. And that's kind of the, was the start of a lot of things for me there. College was where it all kind of like blew up.
2: So at that, at that point, when we come out with a book at college, what happens then? you're like oh, all right i'm armed do you, do you... uh
0: no I, I i kind of felt like i crept into the the, the industry because i i had a i got a job through one of my teachers it was like a, a neighbor of his worked at a, like a production house and i felt like i don't know like lack of self-confidence i was just like man I'm i'm just and this was actually like when like the macintosh and like you know like like just starting to have computers. It was mostly all manual. So my first job was actually paced up at this production place and I sucked at it. I was terrible. And, and, and within like about a year they got in computers and um, like, you know, at like the old Apple little square, you know, and, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to learn that. And uh, I, they needed someone to do it. And I had a friend of mine who worked for the school newspaper and he was like, he was like looking for a job. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to, so I, I had, I actually, told my boss, this guy's really good on computers. He got a job there at the place I worked. And then he said, Scott should work on the computers. And so he pulled me into that department and we basically learned on the fly. Like I learned how to use all the programs by like um, one of the clients was Disney world. And they would be like, uh, we need, they, they, they need to digitize, you know, a hand drawn Disney logo. Mm-hmm. And for like a lot of the properties and things. And they, cause these assets didn't exist at the times so in the eighties. And I, I, redrew those in illustrator which i know for a fact that those a lot of the logos that i worked on were like in their files for like years and it's pretty hilarious um but it's how i learned how to do illustrator and quark express at the time photoshop stuff like that just having to like learning it on the fly so but i know that like i did i started off in paste up and they got apple you know they got computers in and within And this place ran like three shifts of, of paste up artists and uh, the, the, you know, the the photo mechanical, the strippers and all that stuff. And within a year of getting computers, they eliminated all the shifts and like fired, like they laid off like two thirds of the staff, like guys that were like 50, 60 years old, 40, like older dudes who had worked their entire lives in newspaper and production. They brought the computer and here I'm like 20 years old and just just like eliminated all their jobs and, but, and which was sad, but at the same time, it's like, well, I
2: think it's, it's a, a cautionary tale, right? Yeah. I mean, that, cause that doesn't stop. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I I've think seen it you just need to keep going yep. and keep just don't be, complacent and just sit there and like, well, we're going to do this
0: forever. Yeah, but their technology for those guys, the technology hadn't changed for decades. Yeah, and so, right. you know, it was like, they were like, well, I'll just retire. You yeah. Know.
2: Well, it was good that you saw kind of the, and you were able to kind of
0: pivot there. Yeah. yeah. But it was good. Cause I really sucked at paste up. So I was, I was really happy. That, was, <laughs> you didn't really cut. leave yeah, behind. Yeah, anything I was really good on the computer. Coveted. Yeah. 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 I wasn't, yeah. I was you know, cuts and spilling paste pots everywhere. I, I, that was terrible. Um, yeah, so I just did that and I, and I kind of backed and I worked at that job for a long time, uh, long, much longer than I should. Have. This is actually after I got out of college. But in, in kind of working at music, when I was in college, it's kind of when I started playing music. And I had a roommate who was in a band and he was like, I want to be the singer now. Um, why don't you play bass? And he's like, "Oh, you you play guitar, don't you?" And I have like I had a guitar. I'd probably played like two times ever in my entire life. But I was a fan of music. And we used to go to shows. Wait,
2: is the bass like like right field for? To use an analogy. Is that where you put the kid? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the kid can't catch.
0: You know, as a bass player, I resent that. No, I, I, it is it is definitely the most maligned. It's like – All right, it's that, like,
2: that was a saw. I was yeah. trying to push a button.
0: For sure. <laughs> but yeah, ba- ba- it is. It is. It's interesting. So I, I – yeah, so it was – and I was like well, – I can learn the bass. It's like, how hard can it be? And, and it, it is in its most basic form. It is not that hard to play. Any monkey can play the bass. Um, so I started playing bass and I started getting in bands. And then while I was in college and then I was at this job after I graduated, I started doing like flyers and posters for bands because I was suddenly thrust into this music scene. And this is in Orlando. So you can imagine People, you know, I think it's not one of those it's, it had, you know, it's not just Disney world, as people say, there was actually this very cool music scene um, that uh, of original people doing original music that was influenced by everything from punk to psychedelic to, you know, whatever's at the time was probably a lot of indie rock, like, uh, you know, REM or something like that. This is like mid eighties, mid to later eighties. And, um, So I started doing posters for my own bands and then people saw, Oh, Hey, you're pretty good. Can you do a flyer for my band? Hmm. And then I started doing, so the job that I had was a production place. So I was during the, you know, I, I worked, they actually had a second shift. So my shift was like 3 PM to like midnight. So everyone in the day shift, all the bosses would go home at six o'clock and I'd get all, I'd rush and get all my work done. I'd be done at six o'clock. And then, so I would have like, and they, they were open like super late. So I would, Actually, stay. I would actually stay late and I would work to like wake to like three in the morning and I would work on my own stuff. So nice. <laughs> I would work on music posters and they had all the gear there. So it was like I could do everything.
2: Yeah, because at that point oh, y- right you don't really have a home computer oh, not at doing all. it. It's yeah. just a little cost prohibitive it. at that, yeah, yeah, that sure. time. Well they had a mean? situation. Yeah. They had
0: a Xerox machine too. So uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's
2: crazy. <laughs> Do you make flyers on anything else? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So I would <laughs> I would good. I would, you know, create these flyers. Again, you know, this is half of their like you know some hand done some computer like hybrids and then I would just run them off you know and right. you know and 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 that was a, it was such a great training ground, were, you, so. were you charging any, any of those bands no <laughs> no i, 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 I knew I, the answer to yeah, that yeah yeah <laughs> come on it's, <laughs> it's music um no not really and there was um there was actually like some some really cool uh you know designers that would come in that used the services of the place there was a guy um this guy named Thomas Scott who is an incredible designer he he um he had his own shop at the time and, and he, um, he would, and he did all, like all the cool music posters in town and he would come in and I, you know, once in a while, we had to do like mechanicals for him and, you know, so he, you know, he just legendary stuff. And he was such a huge influence, you know, and he, I'd just be like, I want to be like that guy when I get older. And he's just like two years older than me. But at the time it just <laughs> right. seemed like he was just like, he's a professional. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, that guy was huge, like huge, you know, and, and I, you know, I really took a, you know, down the rabbit hole of music though. Like I was I was playing in bands. I was creating this, you know, posters and music stuff and and meeting people who were into that same thing. And then finding that there were people into specific music scenes, especially that's when I kind of started getting into the garage rock, which and meeting and knowing finding out that wow, people in garage rock are they're really myopically nerdy about their music. And I was like, I like this. I like, I like <laughs> I've liked the, the people that are in this
1: scene. So that's kind of when I got into that whole thing. Nice. So at this point, pa- at this point you're doing a lot of uh, production work and designing. So do you feel like you're developing your own aesthetic at this point? Or are you trying to really go very, very different from project to project or band to band or whatever um, the case may be?
0: Yeah. It, yeah. No, I think, I think I, I, there were things I really liked and I have to think back like, it, I ping ponged to styles, you know, when you're young. So there were some things, I think this is like, you know, in the early, late eighties, maybe early nineties. So what's big at the time, Immigré, uh, David Carson starts getting bigger, things like that. So that kind of, that kind of look is there. And that was actually really cool because I think when I was in college, I, I, graphic design to me was like, Oh, we have to design this, you know, coaster and we have to design this ad and we have to do these. And, and it was very kind of, it was never really taught as anything cool. Like you had to, and when I got out of college, I felt like, okay, I you know, I'm doing these rock posters, which is cool, but it's like rock posters. And, you know, and I don't know. It just, it seemed like it was completely separate from graphic design. And then when I started seeing things like David Carson and and things, and I was like, Oh wait, graphic design is really cool. Like there's, there's cool people that do it. And there's cool stuff that people are doing and they're doing really niche things that are, are, are you know, to me, I find interesting. Um, so I'm kind of bouncing between those styles, but then I think I, you know, Piece by piece, I think I started developing this, you know, backwards looking retro, I guess is what people would call it. But I I felt that the things that I was really strongly attached to, you know, I love things from the 50s and 60s. And that was like became kind of an aesthetic for me where like I just repeatedly kind of came back, you Mm -hmm. know, when I would would see, uh, you know, graphics that the, you know, the B-52s had. And they, you know, they were so steeped in the whole 1950s, you know, kind of kitsch. Uh, type thing. And I was immediately attracted to that stuff like that.
2: I think everybody, every designer goes through a David Carson phase. <laughs> well, it was a seminal moment. He gave, sure. he gave everybody license, like you said, and, and made people think really challenged them to view the communications and what was possible and right. really deconstruct it. With still some meaning. Oh, yeah. Uh, and when we talked to Dave Plunkard about
0: that yeah. and everything. you know? Yeah, he, he, and he was having fun. And, you know, I remember I picked up a copy of Beach Culture, which I still have a yeah. copy. Um, I picked up at like a 7-Eleven. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is this? And, you know, and he's, and it was, yeah, it was design as art. And it was, and it was just break, it broke all the rules. And it was really fun and it made things interesting. And I think that was when. You could start to go. Oh, I told someone I'm a graphic designer, and people are like, "Oh, cool." Yeah, (laughs) that's. I I will say, David Carson is a fan of the podcast.
2: That's nice. That's nice. We we gave him a shout out, and he reposted. Oh, very nice. Did all this. He's he's a titan.
0: Yeah, he's. I mean, and I think he's still. You know, I feel like he still resonates. Like you think he went through a period where I think people were kind of like really had gotten tired of it, and then now I feel like it's really making a. I don't know. I feel like it's making a comeback, like, you know, like 80s aesthetic, like mainstream 80s design has kind of made a comeback, all those sure. like blips and geometric shapes. And then I feel like the 90s obviously are making a comeback. His collage work and yeah, everything like that. I mean, that. come yeah. on. It's, yeah. it's just a matter of time. Then I'll be able to sell those issues of Ray Gunn and that one issue of Beach Culture I have, and I will make money. No, I don't know. I'm probably just going to keep them.
2: Well, let us know if you want to put us put in touch with him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Right.
2: Right. get an autograph or something. He's awesome. What's well, interesting, you mentioned Ray Gunn that being a music publication. And so we we have these two big themes in your life, design and music culture flash forward to now, you're kind of finding a way to marry those. Talk a little bit about that. What's going on?
0: Oh, uh, well, yeah. Um, I, I have, I think I've always, you know, I don't know. I've always kind of worked in two buckets, basically the music and the, and the art or I'll just say design. And the, I've always felt those were parallel tracks though, but it would like, but, so, you know, they always cross over and I always felt like as I was, I've, I've always been kind of building equity in both of those areas and, um, anytime that they can cross over, that's kind of the the sweet spot of like everything I like all mixed into one. So yeah, like, yeah, like, uh, the fact that, you know, the things I was like super into when I was, you know, in, you know, in my twenties or whatever and and getting into the music scene, um, I always felt that there was like that, that whole, uh, you know, you you could really get into art and design and then somehow it, it could live in the same universe as music and vice versa. And I find that I've met a lot of people that kind of, you know, like that sort of, you know, really into both of those things. And I'm also like, you know, I connect a lot with people that are, you know, equally uh, adept at both or really into it. Anytime that I would see uh, a musician that I really liked and then find out that they were doing art and like really cool art. And then I'd be like, oh man, that's amazing. And then if they're doing design, that's like even more like, whoa, (laughs) you know, that's, that's the sweet spot for me. So I, I always, I always like that. And, and, you know, you think about, you know, nowadays, like someone like you know, and, and he has his detractors, but I I dig what he does. Jack White with Third Man Records, it's like he's got this incredible aesthetic. He's a musician, but he's like he really pours a lot into branding and visual and the looks and everything. And I'm like, you know, it's just like that's super cool that he does all these little things that just kind of make, you know, that make his uh, brand, you know, bounce all over the place. But he has married music and, and art together into a really great brand. So.
2: Right. That, that guy, that. I, his energy is something to be admired. Yeah. I will say those little, uh, booths. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with those. I can't, the, <laughs> I know it's very nostalgic, but they're, the recordings in that booth are oh, they're little, uh, yeah. virtually unlistenable, <laughs> but, but no, I respect the guy a lot. I think yeah. the, 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 the energy, again, all the different things he has his hands in, all the different bands, all the, th- uh, just, he's yeah. just a uh,
0: touch. So yeah, enough. no, I, and I and I, I admire that. And there's a lot of um, record labels and artists that kind of have that same kind of interest that I do. Like the the the, the output might be different, like the mu- kind of music they do, but the um, influences and in how they work with music and art together has always been interesting to me. Like uh, there's a British label called Ghost Box, which does this very kind of, uh, if, and the music's kind of like it sounds like soundtracks from the early from the late 60s and the early 70s, like synthesizer music. And they and they mix it in with like, you know, voices and like really kind of disconnected things. But the guy who runs it is like an amazing designer and like all of their packaging is so on point. And so their brand is so on point of like, even though the music is not garage rock or it's not, you know, punk rock or something like that. But the, the, the kind of music that, and the, and the, the aesthetic from the music and the artwork is just, and they make these little films and the website and everything. It's just, it's so perfect. And I'm like, man, that's just, I love the fact that the guy does both.
2: You well, somewhat know. of a tangent though. you just mentioned packaging and that's, that's going away. That's sort of a lost art. Unless <laughs> you have like a, you know, the, yeah. Somehow you guys release vinyl and, yeah. and things like that. That's again, that's a very niche audience but typically these days you know a certain demographic doesn't have the experience of holding yeah. uh, a tangible product in their hand thus no reason for liner notes or to yeah. really go deep it's yeah. hey we're <laughs> just doing the cover holy yeah, crap you're covered. gonna come I, in into... I look i was ahead of my time <laughs> there All you go I was, I was lazy before my time. so that is that's really sad i think in, yeah, in some ways um, you don't get the smell the you yeah know?
0: i i you know and 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 i think that there's definitely you know uh, uh, and we talk about the label, but it's, it's the, in terms of like that whole idea of like not having an, a, an object in associated with your music. Like, and there's a lot of other platforms. I mean, obviously there's the artists, you know, and you know, you see very popular artists, they're using a lot of different platforms, not just the packaging. So, which is good. And you have to extend yourself into other, other mm-hmm. mediums, but you know, I just love the packaging and, and my, you know, going back to my, you know, very nerdy roots. So I like looking at the books and the, I like looking at the liner notes and I like looking at the inserts and and just how all like the, the more meticulous and the more ridiculous the details are. The right. More I like it. I love that.
2: I was trying to think about this the other day, but it, that adds to the mystique. Yeah. So. Um, uh, for example, a band that I know really respects graphic design and, and, tried to push the envelope, but had a mystique is REM.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I could talk know. about, I could talk about their influence <laughs> quite a bit. It's but, just, just
2: but, yeah. for whatever, I went down an REM rabbit hole the other day and my daughters were discovering his great. It was a great moment. Cause they were like, I really like this song. Dad. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, fist bumping. Which one? Seven really? Lily. No, no, which oh, song? Losing my religion. Lily was like out of her mind for it. Huh. Um, but then, you know, those, the tracks, the, the covers come up as the mm-hmm. tracks going through on Spotify or whatever. And I'm like, wow, these guys really cared.
0: Yeah. Oh, and they, and they, the
2: type of, the typography yeah. is aged well mm-hmm. and it, it could have been yet they, released yesterday.
0: I felt they were, they were a pretty big influence. I felt they were like a gateway. Cause like I started listening to them when I was in college, like a lot of people of my age and <laughs> demographic and, um they well, hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah, they, Look, well, well, they Don't t-
2: fall on the sword for that buddy. <laughs> Look, you, There's, you know, I mean, I think I, I would, they are timeless.
0: Well, yes, but I, but I, they, they are, but I think that the kind of the, I think my story is not unique, but I feel that they were like a turnkey band for me where like, I heard them. They were like the first band that's like had some popularity where you looked at them and you were like, they weren't like particularly good looking or they weren't particularly like cool in like a traditional way. They weren't like, they weren't like, you know, Growing up, you had Led Zeppelin, The Who, and these, you know, they were just like, you know, you know, Robert Plant. They were like guys that look good with their shirts off. And you were right. like, R.E.M., you were like, nobody's taking their shirt off in this band. Yeah. And so <laughs> at least Michael Stipe didn't until later. But it was like, but it was like, it was like one of those things where they were like nerdy looking dudes. And then they were like, this is what we're into. We're into, uh, uh the Velvet Underground and we're into Big Star and we're into like really, you know, obscure music that the birds and they were like influenced by that. And then all this like 60s stuff. And I was like, oh, wow. So I I got into stuff because of the stuff that they were into. And then I saw them fairly early on and they would have these, you know, I saw them, you know, maybe like their third album tour or something like that, which is later but earlier and they had these films that they would show in the background that were like completely not associated with whatever was going on stage and I was like that is the coolest thing but they were like artsy and they had the graphics like you said the graphics in there and their packaging and everything and their t-shirts and everything had this aesthetic to it and they really did care and I and I also felt that that's another thing where I was immediately piqued by the the whole package like it's not just the you know I love the music and I love the the you know just the songs and everything were great. And, but just everything about them and their personalities, you know, it's like, I love the fact that Mike Mills and and Peter Buck wore FFA jackets, which was mm-hmm. like such a statement, you know, and it was like, you know, and they, and they just, they played Rickenbackers and they just didn't care. And it's like, and they created music that was so different and they, and they championed local, like they were like, oh, we love Guadalcanal Diary. We love Pylon. These are bands that they played with at you know the Forty Watt Club and smaller places. They just did not care. They're like, this is how we did it when we were playing to ten people. This is how we're doing it when we're playing to thousand, yeah. two thousand, five thousand people. That's cool. And I love that. I love that. It was super relatable to me. I don't know. I right. felt like as a, as a, you know, a person that wasn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. able to relate to the you know
1: Aerosmith. Well, you know what's interesting? You were talking about the the whole experience. music the design etc and we had a a guy on the other day named hilton carter Mm -hmm. and he's a plant stylist and he basically made the point that with social media now you can actually show everyone everything that you have to offer before you've even earned it yeah and that's the way you earn it and um i've always i've kept thinking um something like sean just said which is like i think really seeing liner notes and albums and CDs, the CDs themselves is mm-hmm. like, it's really I feel sad for people who can't see that anymore. But on the other hand, today's bands, today's acts can do anything they want on Instagram and you do that too. You know, right. you put sure. artwork and even the other day you put a beer can out there <laughs> and it's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. And it really showcases the um, sort of the tonality that you're trying to convey. So I, I wanted to get back to, can you talk about your record label sure. specifically and the origin story and all that stuff?
0: Yeah. So the record label, um, basically, I I always wanted to have a record label. I think in I was in a band in the nineties and we had like, we created kind of a fake label to put our own records out because no one else was going to put them out. And so we had this fake record label and we put out a few albums or sorry, singles. And then I always liked it. It was like kind of fun, but it was definitely just a Lark to get other record labels interested. And so flash, you know, flash forward to, uh, early, like, tw- you know, 2011, 2010, 2011. And I was in a, I'm still in this band. Uh, we just don't play out a lot. Um, the band called the stents. And so, um, we wanted, we had a single coming out and I was like, I want to, I want to put it out, but I don't want to, it's like, well, why don't we just make up a fake record label? So we came up with this name hidden volume. Um, and, um, put that on there and that was hidden volume zero zero one HV zero zero one. That was the first release. It was the stents, uh, two song single. And, um, and then we put another single out under that and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then that was like 2012. And then I had this idea and I wanted to do the record label, but I didn't really, I don't know, there wasn't anything kind of behind it. And then I started really like, as the stents were playing more, we started, I started meeting a lot of bands and, and realizing there was a lot of really cool music out there that, people just don't know about and stuff that I really like, that's just not getting enough attention. Um, And so I started thinking about bands that I would want to put out and I had some resources and I'm like, you know what I'm going to start a record label and just start putting out just small things, just singles. But I want to put out something that has a lot of packaging and has really brings back that idea of, of tangible objects. Like I want people to, not only love the music, but I want them to love the the object itself and like be able to go, oh, I got this cool record by this band and I'm going to put it on my shelf. And then if I put out if I, you know, a T-shirt or a sticker or something like that, they're like, this also fits into that. But I also wanted the record label itself to also be an entity that people were into the aesthetic of the record label, because I feel like, you know, obviously major labels there's not a lot of personality. They have, they're defined by the artists a lot of times. And back in the day, the record labels were defined by their aesthetic. There's certain ones, classic ones like Blue Note, obviously, you know, death defined, row, you know, death row. That's exactly it. A deaf jam. And they were, they were defined by a, a really specific aesthetic. And I was, I was really into, um, I have to say this because it's like a big influence, the, probably one of my the biggest influence like artistically and musically uh in the 90s there was a record label uh, out of bellingham washington called estrus records and uh it was garage rock garage punk it was like 60s influence but they had the sense of humor and they were like completely lived in this world of like like horror and science fiction and punk rock and 60s and hot rods and dragsters and the the guy who ran it was a guy named Dave Kreider and his main designer was, uh, none other than art chantry, who is like huge. He's easily my biggest influence, obviously, if you see my work, um, and he created like just literally hundreds and they would, they had some everything about that label was everything I wanted to do ever, and so that was a huge influence on me. And I was like, and you know, the label existed mostly. It was huge in the '90s, and it kind of, it, you know, they kind of, they kind of lost momentum. And I think they, you know, went their different ways. And and there needs to be a label like that. There needs to be something that that people would buy the record. Because they liked the artwork and they liked the fact that it came with a sticker or it came with a, a tongue depressor or it came with a vomit bag. Like there was just like they <laughs> and, you know, x-ray glasses like he this, they did so many cool things. And I was like, that just doesn't exist anymore. It's like, who doesn't who does that? So I wanted to do that and also shine some. Emphasis on some bands that, and I, and there was, um, there was a few bands, like the first few releases I did a, it was a band from Richmond called the Archaics. And I had heard about them. You know, someone mentioned it on social media, I went to band camp and they had a bunch of recordings that they had kind of stuck up there for free download. And it was like the coolest stuff ever. It was just primitive. They recorded in their bedroom. And so I just emailed them and said, hey, I'm I got this record label I'm starting up. Do you want to be on the label? And they were surprisingly. I, I mean, I don't know these people at all. Like, I just emailed them and they were like, yeah, well, cool, we'll do it. And I was like, wow.
2: <laughs> we get the same reaction when we ask people to do the podcast. Sure. It's, yeah, exactly. You've never, never
0: heard of us. We'll, yeah, we'll do yeah. it. But we'll do it. Yeah, people, <laughs> people, I mean, and they're like, well, put my record out. Sure. I mean, they didn't have any at the time. I think they had a cassette maybe. Sure. And so, you know, vinyl. And that's the thing. It's a big draw too. people. Went, oh, get on vinyl. Real quick, so I just want to back up and maybe
2: set some context. Like, what does it mean to take on a band as a record label? What are you doing for them? So when you go, what right. what are you offering them?
0: Well, the 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 I think that the the what a what a record label offers an artist, because now artists can do everything themselves. Right. Um, what a record label should do is be able to handle all the the non musical things that an artist needs to do, and that's that's everything from you know producing the record, getting the record out, you know the packaging, promoting it, getting distribution, getting press, getting all of these things, making sure it's getting into the hands of the people. And then obviously, if you have more time and money, it's you know tours and 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 more recording and developing their careers and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm a small label. I'm only one guy, um, but. Um, they and 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 I think on certain levels it's also handling things like publishing and rev and and uh, um, um, all the little bits and pieces of money that you can get from because you know, like selling records in and of itself is just it's not a money making proposition. I mean, it's just expensive, very expensive to put out vinyl. Um, and you make your money through all, it, most people make money now, at least on a small, small level artist. We're not talking, you know, Beyonce, but like small level artists, they make it on merchandise, playing shows they make and they make it on small revenues of streaming that you get your, you know, couple of pennies for per stream, um, Spotify and and selling stuff on Bandcamp. And just there's there's a million tiny revenue streams now. And Mm -hmm. part of the labels, you know, the label can do for people is to handle that part of it. I don't necessarily do all of that. I do some, I mean, obviously I work on streaming and things like that. Um, if this was like a hundred percent of my job, that's, you know, that's what a label would do. So Um,
2: can I I ask a question and just on that note, um, are you, uh, outlaying money and you don't have to answer no. this. I, I just want to I mean, yes. be very candid. I mean, Well, I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> I'm when you come to the, the band, like a band like that is out of the, the bedroom. Like, are yeah. you saying I will front yep. this amount of money to produce the vinyl, yeah. to do the liner notes, to print it, to do all mm-hmm. these things. And then it's sort of a payback system. Yeah. Or?
0: Well, usually, usually on, especially with singles, um, usually I give them a, a gratis percentage of like, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, you you've got this many. Uh, Of the you know the the run and these aren't like huge runs of records so these are this is like going back to like this whole like idea of you know limited edition small run niche kind of things Um, you know I, I come from that that background of that like very you know, it's a small audience, you know, 200 garage rock fans can't be wrong, but like the, the, and, and, you know, and like, I love, I love, um, I was really big and still am into like zine culture. Like, you know, people that are like, I made 25 copies of this cool art zine. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. I got to find this thing. You know, I would, when I was in the eighties, I would drive, you know, I'd go to New York and from Florida, I go to New York to this store that sold only zines, you know, and buy a box of stuff where I mail order stuff and get like one copy of a, um, a mod zine that covered the San Diego mod zine. And from 1987, that's like completely weird niche thing that there's probably like, they probably put out like, you know, 50 issues or 50 copies, not even issues. And I'd had that one copy. And that was just like, this doesn't exist anywhere else. This is the coolest thing. So I would, I would <laughs> you know, you know, offer like, okay, we're going to press 300 copies of this record. I'll give you, you know, X number of percentage of the run, gratis, then you can buy subsequent copies to sell at shows at cost. Um, and then like with streaming, it's like, you know, after and most of the stuff is like after expenses, then you will share in the revenues. And it's like, you know, you always keep your fingers crossed that like something hits and it takes off and everybody can share and, you know, and then the, the joys of revenue. But, you know, that doesn't happen a lot. Um, but I, you know, and I there are certain aspects of it that I I don't bother with. I'm really more interested. Obviously, I'm really more interested in the product and I'm I just dealing with all the. The publishing and the and stuff, which I should because it's a source of revenue. I I'd, I'd rather sell the vinyl and just be like really happy right. that people have product out. I don't know. It's
1: cool. It's cool to have. And you know. And you know. I feel like that's it's it's smart, but it's also really admirable because you're, it's it's about experience. Mm-hmm. I think for the people who are getting what you and the bands make seems like that's what it's about.
0: Yeah. they. I, I feel like they're really, people are really happy with, with when they get the products too. So, you know, I, I always, but I always tell people, so I'm like, Hey, I really like your band. I really want to put this out. Here's, you know, here's basically what I do. And I give them like this whole, you know, rundown of all the stuff that I can do for them, you know, and you know, most of the time they're cool that sometimes some people have been like, nah, I'm not interested. Um, but it, it's funny though. But the, one of the, the main things I always bring up is I get to design the, the the record and um and that's if that's a, if that's a deal breaker then we're not working together like and not and not in a shitty way but like in a in a in a and and luckily, I have enough stuff to back it that I'm like, here's what I've done, and people are like, oh yeah, of course. You like, should probably do that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are like, I want you know, they they request, they're like, and you you are going to design it right. And I'm like, yeah, 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 it's it's cool. Um, but I always I always tell them though, and I always state this is that I'm not going to design them something where they're not going to be happy with it. Like I'm not going to be like, and here's your design. See you later. You know, it's like I try to I I try to work with you know work with them to get to a place where they you know, where we're both happy with it. And and sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not. I've definitely had a few ones I've done where people weren't happy with at the end. They were like, yeah, it's it's okay. We need to get the record out. And I'm like, fine. And I've had stuff where the artist had a lot more influence and I was like, yeah, fine. I have stories about that. (laughs) But, um, but, uh, you know, so that was, that was like a big thing. And so, but it's also a chance for me to work with Cool bands work with cool artists. I think the second or third single, third or fourth single, I did was a band called the Delusionaires, which is uh, some friends of mine from Orlando and Atlanta that play like it sounds like really broken down 1950s burlesque stripper music. It's all instruments, saxophone, and it's just it's recorded like on the cheapest recording possible. And I got a guy to do the cover for it. This guy named Greg Rynell, who's like an insanely good artist who does he's like an amazing poster artist and he does these like super detailed drawings. And he, you know, he's an old friend of mine. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'll pay you you know, a little a few bucks, obviously below his regularly, because it's like, I've known him for like, you know, he always credits me for, um, giving him his first break, uh, like back years and years ago when he was trying to get into like illustration stuff. And I, and you, when you could like, make you know bootleg illustrator for people and i gave him like copies of like illustrator thank you um i gave <laughs> just joking i gave him co- and, and and you've uh, since paid for that yeah yeah well yeah Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. immediately i paid it i back. have a license now yeah and so and so i've been paying for years but i i you know i and so he's always like you were the you know the first guy to give me a break and give me like some of the gear i needed like photoshop so i could learn it you know i would you know show him how to use some things and so anyway so we had this thing so i got to work with this amazing artist you know and he's he's so insanely good. He's just like this punk rock dude who has just like insanely good skills. Um, So he did the cover for that. And then I got to just, you know, do this cool design that was like completely, uh, you know, combined from old, you know, burlesque ads from the fifties. And it was great. It was a really fun product. And we made um, coasters because like, you know, their, their shows are always like drunken brawls. So I made coasters with the band name on them and which is appropriate. How many bands are on the roster right now? Well it's it's hard to say it's not it's not like there's a rust right because I I don't um I I'll put, I try not I don't repeat a whole lot. I put I have a few bands that I've put multiple things out by mm. and it's not like I'm like I've signed you to a 3 album deal. You have to it's more like let's do a single, let's see how it goes and then we come back. And a lot of these guys, you know, this is what they do. This is this is their thing. Um great band from Chicago called the Safes. Uh we battled like they had this album come out and they, I love these guys. They're two brothers. And they have a couple of the guys in their band are from the Baltimore area. And then they live in Chicago and they have a bunch of albums out and they're very much like, this is how we want to do it. And, and luckily I'm a huge fan of the band. I love that they're incredible songwriters. They're uh, super, they're great, difficult human beings. And that's what makes them awesome because they just are full of tension and they, but they would, they would, you know, I would make decisions on the phone and then I'd be like, okay. I'm designing something album cover. They're like, well, we want to use this piece of art. I'm like, fine. And then I do it. And then I'd send the artwork to them, and it was how I wanted to do it. And they didn't agree. And it would be like a phone call. and They'd just be, and they're like, they always remind me. And and if they hear this, I don't take this the wrong way because I mean this is the greatest. Con- they're like, they're, they they remind me of like. Like 1930s gangsters. Like, they're just, they're these two guys from Chicago and they just, they have <laughs> slick back hair and they just, they're just tough dudes, man. They're, I feel like you're stereotyping Yeah, right they're now. so cool, though, but they're like, and they're, but they're, they're these two Irish guys and they're just like, oh. and they're just, and they're like, they're just on the phone, and they're and they're on the phone. And I get the feeling one's on one room on the phone, and one's on the other. And they're just like, "Yeah, yeah, we got to talk." And it was like, "You're gonna know, do it like this?" Yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, just,
2: yeah, exactly. Thinking, it sounds like the ending of Boardwalk Empire. It's a Sean of,
0: Flanagan <laughs> over here yeah, is yeah, getting a little fired exactly. here, Scott. I just started watching Boardwalk Empire, so yeah, oh, yeah. no spoilers. But it's kind Respect of that, your whiskey intake. It, thank you. It was kind of it, it kind of reminded me of yeah, it's a little bit, and they would kind of like muscle me a little bit, you know, where I'd get Rick really mad about something, and then the one brother would just be like, "Hang on a second, we just call," and you know, we call, and he's t- you know we talk each other off the ledge Sounds and stuff amazing. like that. And we got to a great place, but it was like, we, but we all believed in the record, you know, it, was, it was this awesome record. And these guys are, but these guys, you know, this is, this is what they do. Like they come from a musical family. The whole family plays, you know, the brothers have all played in the band at various times. And there's like, there's like nine of them. This is not an exaggeration. There's like this huge family and they put the album out and they went like on a 40 show tour across the country. They, they, we had, you know, press. we got like radio play and it was, and that that record, you know, did really well. And it's like, they, you know, it was nice. I got like these charts, you know, where it'd be like, you know, sub pop and then hidden volume. And my record was one spot ahead on the, on the, on the listings of of like airplay. And I was like, Hey, for five minutes, we were more popular than this
1: newest sub pop release. I was going to ask, I mean, we, one of the questions is what's the approach to creating artwork for the bands. And, you know, that was a great story. So that probably encompassed a lot, but our just generally your process you know we get creative briefs in advertising and I know you work in advertising mm-hmm. too but what is it like to try to embody this band spirit or whatever their idea is yeah. in the art it's original thinking from you and it's also got to be a lot of original thinking from them
0: yeah yeah it's it's weird to like work with another creative entity in another field because you know, a lot of musicians are artists and artists, you know, they like I was saying, they, they mix back and forth and they're very creative. And um, it's, I have to say, it's a real tribute to a lot of the bands I've worked with that they're willing to let go and say, yeah, I like what you do, come up with something. And, and they, you know, and by that same token, I also very rarely interfere with their musical approach. So someone can hand me something and if they ask, they're like, Hey, here's, here's the first, you know, mix of, of all these songs. What do you think I'll offer it? But sometimes they'll give me the thing and they'll just be like, here it is. And it's done. And I'm like, Hey, this is pretty cool. And I, unless I feel really strongly about something and willing to argue over something, I, 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 you know, I'll be like, Oh man, do we, do you really want that song first? You know? And and I'm, I'm, I think I've gotten pickier as I've gone on with it, but a lot of times I trust their instincts. I mean, this is what they do. And it's like, if, you know, there's this, uh, Band I put out the uh, from Philly called the Improbables and their drummer uh, Jeremy he's a real hands-on guy and uh, he's going to laugh when he hears this um, but he you know he was like this is the order that we wanted in and he was really specific I'm like well how about this order and you know I, I, I you know I sent out my suggestion which of course was not considered at all no they they were like no 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 this is what we want And I was like all right fine you know <laughs> and 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 uh, they know but they do know better and it's a great record and they were right and so um, I've had you know, and I, I, I think I know the bands that I pick, I listen to them. I'm fans of the bands. I often know what they want ahead of time. So it's was like, you know, if somebody comes to me and I am like, if I'm, I, I don't know, I just, I, I think I can just, I, I just know the ins and out about the band. So when I, you know, when I give them ideas, it's, it's, you know, we've talked a lot. Well, that, you yeah. know, we know those things.
2: That was yeah. my question. How, what percentage, or how does the breakdown go between, bands that you find and recruit versus bands coming to you?
0: Oh wow. Um I'd say the majority is bands that I find and you'll find that with almost every record label. Where do you where do you go? Are you just in the record stores or or how how are you hearing somebody that doesn't have a a record out where how are you uh, getting um I hear either I see the band live or i a lot of people put stuff off Bandcamp is huge gigantic like someone will put up demos on Bandcamp. that's how i heard about the archaics they had their stuff up on our um, band really early on um and then other like a band there's a band that i'm gonna do some stuff with coming up called teen cobra it's a husband and wife from dc she plays drums he plays guitar it's 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 really primitive super awesome and i've just seen him live. Like I actually saw that the uh, the singer and the guitar player, Neil, he would come to shows, but I didn't know he was in a band and all of a sudden he's in a band and he's in a really good band, you know? And, and so I was like, man, we got to work together. I just love That's what cool. you're doing. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, like I, I get uh, some unsolicited stuff and you know, there's been bands that have sent me something. I was like, yeah, let's do it. we put a record out and then they sent me something else. And I'm like, eh, I didn't like it as much. I, I'd say with 90% of the bands I find, and I find a lot of times through social media.
2: So let's touch on that for a second. Um, the the role social media plays, not on your label, but once you do put out a record, mm-hmm. how are you leveraging that? And do you kind of get a game plan with the band and and, and cross promote and things uh, like that?
0: It depends. It depends on what the band is. Um, it, yeah, I try as much as obviously the resources that I have. But yeah, it's, it's usually like a game of like pre-hype pre-orders, getting the hype going, getting, getting records out to like, uh, influencing influencers, like radio stations or certain things like, um, WFMU is a really great radio station. That's a, uh, community community, ra- public radio station. What would you call it? Anyways, it's a freeform radio station and out of, based out of uh, New Jersey. And they, like all the DJs there, it's just like, a they're tastemakers. Like they have, hmm. they play the most amazing stuff. And I was probably like, you know, five or six DJs there that just play the soundtrack of my brain and you know so it's always important to get them records and say hey hey you guys got to play this cuz they have a that people actually listen in new york plus their online presence is like really huge um stuff like that so i'll try to you know send those things and then there's you know some bands have a coordinated pr you know they sometimes will use actual pr and you know that's getting their their you know name into like magazines and get stuff and brushing up with that really big boy world of 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 pr and advertising and merchandising it's it's a completely different world i i worked with a uh pr group um on one uh release that i had and just sitting in a round table on you know on a conference call and they're talking about like getting on spotify playlist and getting with influencers and all this stuff and it's just was dizzying like i need to get better at that myself but it's like it's a different world like it's it's you really got to be on your game and and to game the Spotify playlist thing. There's entire books, you know, podcasts about getting your band onto not even like a huge one, like the Starbucks playlist, but like even just getting on someone, you know, an influencers Mm -hmm. playlist that has 10,000 followers. It's like small potatoes, you know, and it's, that's, that's a, there's a whole game to that and there's nothing a little cash can handle. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it feels that way. Sometimes it does feel that, that, you know, there's people out there that are these on, on Spotify that are, uh, you know, leading playlist people. And it, it is a, and you guys probably know this, but it's just like those people are on list of all, you know, these PR agencies. It's not and they, any, it's not any, any
2: different than any other social channel. Right.
0: That's a whole different world. And it's like social media is, is absolutely huge. You know, it's, it's. And, uh, you know, and as a record label that prides itself on packaging and design, Instagram, you know, you can put music, you can make little videos, and it's all there in a nice little square. It's cool.
1: Yeah.
2: So this is a great story. It really feels like you've melded these two lanes of your life between the graphic design and the passion for music. Now we turn to the creative house section. That's the promise of this show. And how we like to present it is what are the first three to four things whoever's listening to this podcast and, and, you know, your, your field, for instance, uh, graphic design and specifically graphic design for the music industry appeals to them. They want to make a, maybe a pivot to that. What can they do after listening to this to kind of get on the road to doing that?
0: Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, good question. I, um, I think that's it's, 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 important. I think what probably the, like the first thing, and this is one of the, one of the things that I think is, is like, you don't see enough of and I, and going, going into music and, and design is to have, have a, 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 a good, strong aesthetic and a good vision. Um, I think that some of like, like I said, it's like the record labels that I really like. And I think the ones that have made an impact, um, had a lot of focus and said, you know, like they're not trying to go, Oh, I'm going to do a hip hop artist. And then I'm going to do a jazz guy. Then I'm going to do a country guy. It's like, and then, you know, bring out and have more of a focus, the visual focus and the brand of it. Um, And then I think, you know, as a, as a, if you're, if you're going into that as a, you know, if you're a creative, you're an artist and you want to go and you, you're a designer and you want to get into the music thing, I think it's, you, you have to just follow the stuff you like. Um, I think that was just me is that I, I was really good at, at discovering music scenes and and finding people that were connected, um, you know, nothing better than, you know, like playing in bands when I was in, you know, my twenties and. Uh, you know, you go to a show and find out who the promoter is and you just be like, Hey oh, hey, man, you know, you got a show coming up and you need start talking. Oh, I, oh, I, I did this poster. Oh, you did that flyer. Oh, cool. You know, and then you find out, you know, that person calls you and, you know, wants you to do a poster for the show. Um, that's kind of how I kind of did it. I had some friends that, you know, you know, that would put on shows, whether they were like a promoter who did really cool shows and big shows, or they're a promoter who did like a, you know, a house party, you'd always find somebody and then you start getting out there. And then I would just, you know, as a creative, how it's like, it's just finding those people that can, that can give you an opportunity. And just seeing an opportunity and, and taking it, Um, um, find those people. If you know a band, if you're, you know, if you're in a band, you know, so not everybody can start a record label. Not everyone can, you know, start a band. Um, I think you probably could, if you really wanted to, um, but find people who have, and, and a lot of those people, they just they don't have a lot of experience, you know, especially if you're young, if you're in your, you know, I did this when I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. And it's like, there are tons of people and they were like more than happy to be like, Oh God, someone's, someone's going to design our cassette. Cool. Um, so, you know, you end up doing it. And then, you know, I think me. I've kind of had like relentless pursuit of that. Like I love music and I love design and it's like, I'm always doing that all the time. And I'm always looking at stuff. I'm always, I go to record stores and I go to online. I'm looking everywhere. I'm always looking at, just stuff that's out there, you know, and, and, I love to be inspired by that. So I would say that's, that's a thing. And, you know, and talk to people that have done what you did. Like I, like, I, I think going all the way back, you know, when I was working in that production place and that guy who was the local poster artist, you know, I would talk to him about stuff, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just hearing how he, you know, did things or his, what his taste on things were He'd be like, oh, okay, I should, I should probably look into this, you know, and, um, so yeah, just talking to people and getting to know people and and uh, finding out like what what they do and how they got there. Great, That's great.
1: Um, so Scott, that what do you think is uh, next for you, and how do you define success for the record label and, and beyond? It doesn't just have to be that. You know. <laughs> um, well, I you know
0: I think over like the I think over the, like the last year I've been like focusing a lot more on my my personal design, like not necessarily the, the record label is like. Really for like, it was pretty all encompassing because it was definitely went from like hobby to second full time job. And sometimes it, it does get to be a lot. Like just like last weekend, I had a couple of singles that came out and I had all these pre orders, and so I spent like the weekend like boxing them up. And and you know the certain control freakness of myself is that um, I have had help with people like with shipping and things like that over the years. And but for the most part, I do everything. I do the design. I do handle all the you know all the logistics. I package up the records. I tape them. I take them to the post office, the whole nine yards. And it's like, it's a lot of work. So over the last year, I kind of ratcheted it down. Cause I was, I was probably going to clip a while, like a release every month. And I'm also doing shows. I did like two festivals over for a couple of years, like two day, 15, 16 band festivals. Um, I'm still doing, uh, putting together the Hammond fest stage this year. I'm doing one again this year. um, so I got a lot going on and and so I, I've kind of had to ratchet a little bit of that down, but at the same time, I think on most people's scale, it's like, I still have like former records I'm putting out this year. Um, and then I, I think though, though ultimately what I want to do is I kind of want to, I in, in slowing down the production a little bit, I want to spend more time with each release and, you know, really work the, the, the look and feel and the promotion of it a little bit more. And then I, and I think next year I'm, I have this idea. I'll just go ahead and spring it because I have this idea that I've been working on thinking. I usually take some, you know, a couple of years of gestating this idea. I want to do over the years, I've done these little, little kind of self promotional zines for the record label, which is interviews with bands. And then includes like a flexi disc. And, uh, I get a lot of different writers and artists together to kind of do it. And I want to do like a bigger version of that, um, for 2020 where, um, I want to get writers and artists and kind of make it more of an artifact. And maybe it comes with a 12 inch or a 10 inch record. Um, Maybe it's box set of some sort. I think it's going to be my project for next year. And that might be the only thing I release next year. But, you know, if I do a record, it'd probably be a comp of several bands. So I would get to put out. Several things, but just in one shot. So that's the big idea for 2020. Um, I hope that happens. Um, I'm putting it out there now. So I think it will happen. Sounds amazing. I declare it now. I'm going to declare it now, but it it does. We'll remind you. It is. is, (laughs) Thank you. It's 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 a massive crossover of again of art and design like there's there's just there's like illustrators i want to work with there's um writers that have you know written for music and and zines over the years that are i'm just huge fans of that i would love to get and 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 write more like essay type things you know about obscure bands or about a particular thing there's certain you know and and i and not just music it'll probably i want to have some things about like specific weird niche obscuro art and culture type things as well. You know, I feel like I can marry those two together and make a really cool piece. So that's that's a that's a big one. Um I don't want to give it up. I like, you know, there's some times I've definitely have been like, Shh, because it's it's not an inexpensive hobby. Um so there's definitely been times that I get overwhelmed and I'm just like, man, I just, I don't know if I I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like festivals are really hard. Like I'm considering doing another big festival, but the last one I did was just like just emotionally and physically mentally draining it was so much work and i you know everyone loved it you know and it's great to see you know people you know posting about it a year later going this was the best you know best best show i ever went to or you know i had the best time thank you so much and you know it's great to see but holy cow that's just so much work you know <laughs> and i just like i and again i like doing a lot of stuff myself i have the festivals i produced with um really dear friend of mine in Orlando named Carol. And she, she, I couldn't get it, have done it without her. And she keeps going, you know, she keeps asking me, so are we going to do one next year? And I'm like, oh man, I don't know. (laughs) She's like, well, it's up to you. Cause easy Carol. It's it's not getting done. (laughs) Pump pump the brakes, Carol. The man just, he's got a lot going on. She was doing a zine. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll try the place. I, I don't know. I like, I think for me, I'm going to talk about measure of success. For me, I think that with the label, and it's in a certain extent with design. But I think with the label, I think my measure of success is that some nerdy kid 50 years from now is going to dig it up and go, oh, remember that record that came out by the safes in, not, you know, 2016 on Hidden Volume? Man, that's an awesome record. You know how much that gets on eBay now? It gets so much money. No, I think that it's <laughs> – <laughs> We're bringing it back around. <laughs> no, but Full I think that, I, I think that it's just having some having some impact on somebody and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay that if in like 30 years, some kid comes up to me and says, Hey, I bought your record, uh, that you put out by, you know, the rebel set. And it's one of my favorite singles. I'd be like, that's killer. Like that's okay. Good. I'm good. I'm good with that. Like if there's a legacy, if there's somebody that some kid is either influenced by, or it just has in their collection and loves it's that's cool with me. Like I, I feel like that's, that's a ton of success on the nerd Scott scale. I, I gotta tell you,
2: I don't know if I like anything in my life as, <laughs> as much as you like music. Like, I don't know that I could go deep detail and just nerd out in a good way. Yeah. How you nerd out about music. I I'm trying to, what about you, Jed?
1: It's, Pretty deep. I, I, I think I used to be able to do some, some things more than I can now. I feel like are, I've lost I some, some, well, they say a lot of people that,
0: that, that people don't like a lot of people mostly they, they, they kind of stop at about 24 and they just stop liking anything new. And I don't, I don't have that gene. Like I love, discovering new music I still love all the yeah, old stuff I mean I, still I, I, I just
2: I don't know if I've the... ever researched and just invested uh, into something I'm... that I feel like you've invested
0: yourself and it's funny though I, it's funny because I feel like I'm not stopping liking things, I can I can yeah. be yeah I can be such a surface grazer on certain things though because you can ask me though about like I so I just nerded out on this obscure jingle pop band from you know net from Connecticut you know but you ask me about certain bands that you know people are like, man, you know, you should hear this record, at like a well-known record, and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, here's a confession. I'm going to confess. on uh, This is a big confession. Oh, gonna man, podcast. i going on Really hope this isn't the band. I think it's going to uh, be. No, no, no. Is, is that? You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of bands <laughs> that I hate. You love so we, Greta Van Fleet too? <laughs> no, <laughs> i have that's
2: question not about it. that. No, no, no.
0: I okay. This is, this is a starlight. There's an album that I have never listened to all the way through, and that is Sgt. Pepper's. I have oh, never okay. listened to that album. Hey, and, bring and bring and it in right here, right here. Yeah, I've never I, listened I, to yeah. and, and, and and look, I I'm a I have I would
2: admittedly have just discovered the Beatles.
0: So I don't think I've gotten there yet, but no, I I, Uh, I love them. They're great. I just, but I don't, they're so all over the place. I, I, for some reason, I, I absolutely adore everything all the way up through revolver. I skip over Sergeant peppers and I like, I I've listened to the later albums. Mm -hmm. I don't really like the white album that much. I like some songs on it, but then it's like, I, they just, I feel like they had this energy that just stopped at That and then, and then Sergeant Peppers. I've heard, I've now, I've heard all the songs on Sergeant Peppers, but I've never listened to them in the way that God yeah. intended in the sequence of the album. And a lot of the songs on, I really just don't like. And it's That's, like, you know, it's like, but there are a lot of bands. I, I, this could be like an entirely separate podcast called All the Bands That Scott Hates, um, and which could just go on I like and on it. and on. Um, but. But uh, It's pretty good. Greta, Greta, wait, what band were no, you No,
1: thinking? no, no. I, I, Sean's making a joke about Greta Van Vliet. I, I came upon them, and I think it's a really interesting thing that they have become popular, but they literally sound like Led Zeppelin. So <laughs> I, I said I kind of like them, but I was like— It's not the terrible. Band, if you would have said something negative about Pearl Jam— then I Sean would have literally <laughs> picked you up and thrown you out the door. I'm fairly
0: sure. Oh, Well, now that's a band. Now that's an interesting band. So I'm, I'm going to say. Scott, be careful. Is that I love them on paper. I'm not a fan, like musically. It's just, I, for some reason, I just, I haven't really connected with it. They uh, have, they have. <laughs> <it>. Sorry, dude. <laughs> but, but I have to say, as, as the, aesthetically, like they have killer design. I actually sure. have a, I have, I love all of well, their designs. I mean. I mean. They, they, Jeff Amen's brother owns yeah. a design firm yeah. and
2: does the killer posters. Here we go. I have, I have, I have, uh, I take it back. I can nerd out no, on certain exactly. things.
0: <laughs> is, I, I actually have the, the, they have like a card set of all their posters. Yeah. That came out was like a paper. For, yeah. Uh, I, I absolutely adore it. Actually, Moonshot, uh, getting
2: uh, Ames <laughs> Brothers on the show is, Ames, is, is, oh. is, is, uh, one of my, it would so, be fantastic. Right, they're yeah, and yeah,
0: they're yeah. great, and it's like I and I. I, you I know the packaging? No, oh, yeah. I, I, I know yeah, yeah. I know people who know them, but I don't. Okay, know we
2: can work that. But Network. it's like but it's
0: like you know, like I know some of the the subpod people, but it's like the 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 they have a great you know, their approach to things, and then it's just the fact that they're like you know, the, all the influences are there. They have uh, you know they're they're covering. They, I've heard their versions of like leaving here and Sonic Reducer, and it's like man, they just they know their stuff, and then they're they they stand on you know things and just they they've got it all in like the package but it just stops there for me like the music I'm just not a fan and I'm I'm that way about a lot of bands like there's like on paper like okay like Fish is another example. They have insanely great posters and they're all their graphic stuff. I cannot get, pa- I just, mm.
1: I know Jonathan
0: Helfman and I've talked about this, about just his love of fish. And I'm just like,
1: dude, I just, I don't get it. Like, I just can't I'm get it. On that. I so, should really like fish, but I have never heard one song by fish.
0: Uh, I only know the one song, something about a jar. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, and it's, it's, I, think. I like, and I like noodly. I mean, I like prog rock, I like noodly jam stuff, but jam bands, I'm like, I don't know. I have a whole theory about jam bands, but anyways, it's like, it's, it's really episode two. Yeah, that's episode two, but (laughs) I was going to say, so, yeah, so, so, but that's another band. there's a lot of bands though. And I admire Pearl Jam because they have a focus of vision and graphics and they make it look. And they 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 got all together and and you know for where I'm not saying they suck or anything. It's just they it's geez. just that well, their I, music is not to my taste. I didn't want to be so Homer earlier in the episode when
2: I I could have went one or two ways. I picked <laughs> REM <laughs> instead of Pearl Jam. Yeah, this this, this conversation. I think I went with the
1: right one early. I mean so. that's that's like a. That's a debate that and a lot people of, have for sure. decades to come. Oh yeah,
0: and a lot of people, you know, can they hate REM as well? It's like, yeah. Yeah. and I, one I, thing I is, I feel yeah. like
1: it's very easy to really like them both. That's that's the camp. Ah, I'm yeah, that'll have yeah,
0: a yeah, yeah, no problem. That's a really nice way to really way to do it. Yeah, and I, for the record, Greta Van Fleet's not terrible. It's just, you know, it's just, it's a weird phenomenon. It's a strange phenomenon. Yeah, is, it's it's a weird.
2: It's, like, it's, again, you go back to like those guys, are pretty damn smart, right? <laughs> right. Cause they're laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're like, not
1: in it for the money, Sean.
2: Scott, <laughs> thank you so much, man. Uh, this was, this was amazingly insightful and very tangential.
1: Liked it. Yes. Uh, very so, tangency.
2: so uh, you're going to get a lot of info. You're going to, you're just going to, I think really want to go listen to, to some music after this. Absolutely. <laughs> I guarantee
0: it. I will. And
2: out. yeah. And then maybe we're going to work some, some way that you can access that via creative how. Um, but can, in the meantime, tell everybody
0: how to access you. Oh, sure. Um, well, the record label, hidden is, goes right to where all the records are and you can pretty much buy all of them and you can download the stuff. And then, uh, weird disconnect, but the, you know, like Instagram's probably where in Facebook it's on just look for hidden volume, hidden volume records. It's, I think Instagram is Hivo records at Hivo records. And, um, I post pretty regularly about that on the, on the, in between my, and my own personal Instagram. And it's, almost all about music
1: it's that's what i love it's a good thing thank yeah. you so much scott thank you
2: yeah man looking forward to seeing all the new stuff in the coming year great thanks i said it before and i'll say it again i don't know that i like anything in my life as much as scott likes music
1: yeah that was as i like to say incredible um and one thing, folks, you don't have to worry about is remembering all of the bands that Scott mentioned, because they will be in the show notes, which you can find on creativehowpodcast.com. And also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, creativehowpod. Smash the likes. Smash the likes, comment reviews, ratings.
2: And then go um, comment on some of the bands and give some love. If you like it, reach out and uh, introduce your friends to some of those bands. because I have Records.
1: Yeah, they're hardworking, just like this podcast. Hidden volume, High Records, really amazing artwork, really incredible music. You're gonna want to have some beer. You're gonna want to have some other stuff, maybe, maybe, right? I and mean, like, look up whatever. See Depends where on what state you live in.
2: See where they're playing.
1: Just get after it.
2: Hey, Jed, did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on, you know, YouTube that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out
0: whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.